It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord and to follow him. I hope that you believe that today. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to speak to you this morning about where did the time go. I want to talk to us about giving our time to the Lord and using our time effectively. Have you ever used that question or asked yourself that question? Where did the time go? Just this week, Leslie and I were about our evening walk. We've been trying to do that, trying to slim up just a little bit for you all so you don't like move me out of here when I get older or so. But I'm, I'm trying to stay in shape. I'm trying to uh, do what I need to do. And we were walking along this, this week and we began kind of reminiscing a little bit, talking about things and talking about how our children are growing up and how now I have one that's about to go into high school and all of my kids, of course, now in school and the different aspects of that, the different things that had happened really in the last 18 years or so since we've been married and thinking of the different places and all the things that had occurred. And it was almost like we were asking that question, where did the time go? Just that brief. Now we know based upon the Lord's strength and help in our lives, we believe that he's got more prepared for us. But at the same time, we just kind of reflect a little bit about where did the time go. Sometimes it can be in that type of nostalgic reflection, or sometimes it can be just that you got through the day and you looked around and said, hey, where did the time go today? How did we get to this point and how did we not get more accomplished? I've asked myself that, that question from time to time. I want to talk to you today again about the stewardship of your time. I believe that the stewardship of your time, the stewardship of my time, may be one of the most challenging aspects of our lives. You know, some weeks ago when I began this series on giving, and most people think about financial resources when they think about that kind of sermon series, it really just hit me that perhaps one of the greatest challenges or obstacles is not in our giving financially, but rather in our giving of time to the Lord. Because get this, I can always earn more money. I can always earn more and I can always give more and whatever. But when I look at time, I have a finite amount. All of us have 24 hours in a day. We wish we had a few more, right? We had 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week and so on. All of us are limited by the time. So it is important that we use it wisely, that we are good stewards. Listen to what Paul says as he writes to this early church. He, he encourages them. He says in verse 15, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another, in the fear of God. Note verse 16. Note that little phrase. It says, redeeming the time. Making the most of the opportunity. 
making your moment count for eternity. Those are all legitimate translations of that phrase in verse 16. The word time there, it's more than just a measurement. It's more than just some type of chronological or sequential measurement. Rather, when you look at that word time in the original language, it means something like period or season. In other words, that you are to redeem or make the most of this season that God has given you. This period of life. Again, in the original language, there's the definite article there, which means the time. It means it is a marked off amount of time or a marked off season of life that you and I have, that God has given us. I do believe that God has a plan for us. And I believe God knows the bookends of our lives. Our God, He is eternal. We know that. He is not bound by time. He existed before time was even created. He will exist for all of eternity. But you and I, we're finite. We have bookends. As as someone has said, man's sequence is measured by the bookends. That is that we have a definite beginning. And here on this earth, at least, we have a definite ending in time. Thanks be to Christ. He has something prepared for those of us who are believers. And we will get to spend eternity with him. But this earthly life, we find ourselves restricted to what God has given us. He knows. And we can't. Well, let me say that certainly as we approach the Lord and we seek him, he hears us and he brings healing to us. I believe all those things. But listen, in God's mind, I believe he knows exactly when our final breath will be. And, and get this, you and I, we can't loan any more time to anybody else. We'd love to do that. There are times when we'd say, hey, we'll give him just a little bit of our time perhaps. Or give her just a little. You can't do that. We all have a finite amount of time. And we can't add or subtract from time itself. Now, I was going out west a couple weeks ago. You've heard me talk about that. It was nice going out there because I gained two hours. I wish I could do that every day, kind of. I mean, I knew I was driving I realized that Arizona was in the mountain time, so I gained an hour, and then they didn't recognize daylight savings, so I got another hour on top, so I got out there. It was two hours. Look, it was like two hours I just gained. How you'd love to do that. I'm all about, in the fall, falling back and gaining an hour. The spring, that kind of stuff, that needs to cease. When you lose an hour, especially of sleep, Listen, God has given us a time to make a difference for the kingdom. We have a moment. We have a season where we can touch eternity here on this earth. Where we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. And that is the reason I think Paul writes and he says that you need to be about redeeming the time. This idea of redeeming means to buy back. It was a word that was used in the market of the New Testament day that meant basically seizing an opportunity for a bargain. In other words, when you saw a bargain, you would snatch it up. You would redeem. You would would purchase it at 
that moment. You would be watching for that goodbye and you would be there as quickly as you could to get that purchase. Amen? Ladies, come on. Some of you, where are you? If it's a bargain, you want to snatch it up, you want to buy it, you want to make sure that you... You know, I go through the different ads. I really focus on Super One ads. That's about all I focus on every now and then county market just so I see what the ice cream is. Nothing against county market. It's just farther away from me, so I got to get there quickly, you know, for the bargains. And I always look, what kind of meat's on sale? What kind of this? Leslie and I look at it. We'll talk sometimes. She'll be like, hey, we don't need that. Baby, we can freeze this. It's on sale. It's a steak. It's pork. It's, I mean, come on. And she's like, but we don't need it. It's kind of like my dad. My dad retired some years ago. I guess, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago now he retired. And he has found different things to kind of occupy his attention. One of the things that he does, and it drives some of us family members crazy, but he will go to my uncle's, which my uncle lives about about a mile or two up the road uh, from him. And he'll go up there and he'll sit in the front yard with a lot of these older guys. And they sit in the front yard and they really, well, they talk about things, national politics, and they talk about, you know, the local community things. But they always have a deal for one another. I don't know if you've ever met these guys before. If you do, run. Because they always have bargains for one another. They're always trading. They're always bartering. All the time. I'll call my dad. He'll give me a report of what he just bartered. What he just got. He is so proud of himself. I called him one day. He said, guess what I did today? I said, what did you do, dad? He said, I traded my small boat for a generator up at Sam's today. I said, you did? Why'd you do that? I don't know. I said, well, I mean, I know you don't use the boat too much. Of course, you could have given it to your son down in Ruston. But I know you don't use it too often. But, Dad, I mean, why, what are you going to do with that generator? I don't know. Well, why did you trade? I, well, because the, the generator, I looked it up. I figured it out. The generator would be of more value than that boat would have been. So it doesn't matter if it's worth anything to you specifically. No, it's just that it's more valuable. It's kind of like a game. Some of you play a game like this. I got it on sale. I got $10 off. I got $50 off. It's kind of like a game, right? Man, there's some conviction sitting in here. I can just... Some of you don't want to say a word this morning. That's the same word that's used here. Is hey, when you see a bargain, you snatch it up. What? What Paul said is, when you see that opportunity, you snatch it up. You redeem it. You buy it back. You do everything that it takes to make the most of that opportunity. Listen, God, again, only gives us a finite amount of time. And He gives us specific opportunities in our lives. He gives us specific seasons. And we need to make sure... That when we see that bargain, when we see this goodbye, when this is an opportunity for us, that we take advantage of it. The great general Napoleon said that in the midst of every great battle, there is a 10 or 15 minute period that is crucial, that is the critical point. 
He said, take that period and you will win the battle, but lose it and you will be defeated. Listen, some of us, we're at that 10 or 15 minute critical point in our lives. We're at this moment where we could take the battle, where we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. And if we do not seize it, we will lose it. And instead of seeing victory, we will see defeat in our hearts and lives. Seize the opportunity. Let me give you two principles, two general ways. Let's say this, two general ways in which you can make the most of your time. I don't think they're necessarily earth-shattering, but I think they could grip us and make a difference in our life if we just keep these two general instructions in our lives. One, just walk wisely. Walk wisely each day in everything that we do. Notice verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now, it didn't surprise me when I read through that passage, or that verse in particular, that Paul would use this idea of walking, this imagery of walking, to describe the Christian's life, to describe the Christian's experience. If you go back through the book of Ephesians, you'll see where he'll use it time and time again. He'll talk about how we are to walk differently from others. He'll talk about how we are to walk in unity as a church and as a people. He'll talk about how we are to walk in love. He'll talk about how we are to walk in light. He's all about walking and practicing the faith that God has instilled within us. So here, this is the same terminology that is used. He's talking about our walk. He's talking about our everyday life. He's talking about our practice and our actions. And listen to what he says. He says, see then, be alert Go on looking about. Hey, if you're going to be on a walk, you need to look around. See if there are any tripping hazards. See if there's anything that would get in your way. If you're going to walk wisely, you've got to be alert. You need wisdom. Hey, can we admit this morning, trying to live for God requires wisdom? When we're trying to go about the kingdom's business, when we're trying to use, hey, when we're trying to use our time effectively, we are so dependent upon the wisdom of God. Thankfully, when we came into Christ Jesus, we have all the resources of God himself at our disposal. So when we come into Christ, he gives us a spirit of wisdom. And he even says to those early believers, if you lack wisdom, you just ask. You ask of the one who gives liberally and generously. We need wisdom. We need those ongoing resources in our lives. Why? Well, listen, time is complex. I say to you, it's one of the greatest challenges, one of the greatest difficulties. Why? Because time itself is so complex. Everybody here in this place could, could testify to the challenges, the responsibilities that we face each day, and specifically how we will use our time for those responsibilities and for those challenges. All of us could do that. All of us could do that. I remember Dr. Barnes, the pastor emeritus at Zachary, 
First Zachary, when I had gone there and I was going about my business, he told me as a pastor, he said, one of the things that you'll see is that it is a challenge to do the things you should do each day. The, the different opportunities that you have, it's a challenge to manage your time effectively. Because he said to me, he said, you know, as a pastor, you can visit, you can study, you can go counsel people, you can, and all those things are good and worthy things. You could spend your time in pastoral ministry doing just one of those things, and it would be good for the kingdom. But God hasn't called you to do just one thing. He's called you to do many things. And because of that, you have to find a balance in your life. I'll never forget his instruction to me. And as I've grown, I've recognized that that's not just a pastor. That's all of us. There are responsibilities with our jobs, with our families. There are responsibilities all around our community. And because time is so complex and and because there are so many of these duties that come at us, we need wisdom in dealing with them. He says, you need to learn to walk wisely, walk appropriately, not as fools, but with wisdom. Charles Hummel said that our greatest danger in life is permitting the urgent things to crowd out the important things. And sometimes we just give to the urgent instead of seeing what the important and significant is in our lives. Listen, God called us to work hard, but he also called us to rest. God called us not to be workaholics, but he also called us not to be lazy. And somehow there is a balance, and there's got to be a wisdom to know the difference. That wisdom comes from God. Hey, I need wisdom in my life to walk appropriately, not as a fool, but as wise. I need that so I don't waste time. He said, redeeming the time, seizing that opportunity. I need wisdom because I can waste time. Hey, I probably could get a degree in that. I probably could hang something on my wall about wasting time. And yet God does not want us to waste time. He wants us to use every moment that we have for the gospel and kingdom impact. Philip Melanchthon, who was a reformer in the 16th century, it said that he kept a record of every wasted moment during his day. And that at the end of the day, he would take that list to God and he would confess to God his shortcomings for not using those moments more effectively for the kingdom. I was challenged by that. Most of us just dismiss that wasted time. But we need to seize and redeem and confess all time. To Christ Jesus. Why do we need wisdom? Well listen to what he says. Verse 16. Because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. I found an older commentary. He's a great wonderful scholar. But this is what he said at the time. He said. They lived in evil days. Those were days when evil practice was the accepted pattern of life. 
I was reading through that commentary and I heard what he said. I know what he's talking about, the Ephesians. But I kind of underlined it in my commentary and I wrote out to the side, past tense, question mark. They lived in evil days. Folks, I have to tell you, that's a present tense reality of who we are, where we are. We live in evil days. I am thankful for the freedom that God has given us. I am thankful that he has placed me right here in this, in this community, in this state, in this nation. I'm thankful for that. But don't miss this. We still live in a culture that is totally corrupt and evil. If you think, if you think we have somehow overcome the evil days, you have already been deceived by Satan himself. We are living in some evil days. And because of that, we need extra wisdom. It's going to be hard for you to walk wisely when all of this evil is around you. You're going to need extra wisdom because you need to be a pure, authentic testimony of the believer and of Jesus Christ to others. I love the way Paul frames this to the Colossians later on. He, he says basically the same thing, but in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, he says... Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom to those who are outside. What does that mean? It means that you better be walking wisely because people are watching you. Especially people who are not believers. You need to walk wisely in these days because you need to give a testimony of Jesus Christ to those who are lost. That's what Paul says. And you and I, we need wisdom to walk in this way. May I just say this? We need wisdom to live within the will of God. How can we receive that wisdom? Well, God gives it to us. But may I say also that he gives it to us here through his word. I think this is implicitly stated because Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus or he's writing to this early church. Paul's doing this. So he's assuming they're going to follow the wisdom that he's given this wisdom that has been inspired by God and has been spoken through him. So for us to live wisely, we have to do it through the scripture. But also through submission to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's what he explicitly states here. Now, man, I could, I could preach a whole different sermon on this one. Some of you say, whoa, we're in trouble. I, I'll come back to it one day, but... Man, this is some, some good stuff where it just says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So many times in Baptist life of the past, we focused on the first part of that verse and we forgot about the second part. The second part is where you find the true power. Being filled with the Spirit. Now listen. Some years ago, I struggled with this passage. I came to it. I read it. I was a good Baptist. I'd grown up in Baptist world. I went to a Baptist college. And really, it was in college where I was struggling with some of my first doctrinal uh, stances, positions, where I was really being challenged, and I was trying to think it through and see what the Word of God said to me and working it out. It bothered me when I read that passage because Paul was writing to believers. My Baptist life, I had been taught that the Spirit of God does this at our salvation. 
He regenerates us. He indwells us. He baptizes us. And he seals us. That very moment, God takes up residence within us when we're saved. So I'm reading this, and I know he's talking to early believers, and he says, be filled with the Spirit. And I was like, whoa, hold on. I thought we already had the Spirit of God within us. Then I tried to really flesh it out, and I looked at other passages, and yes, Paul in other passages says, hey, the Holy Spirit lives within you if you're a believer. So I kept saying, well, what is this? How, how is this, how does this fit in? to the salvation, to the sanctification, to the service that we're to have to God. And I hate to admit this to you, but I, it all clicked with me one day when I saw a TV show. Some of you probably have never seen this, but when I was in school, I would come home in the afternoons and they would show this TV show in black and white still. And at first I thought my TV was having problems when I saw that. But it was a show called The Andy Griffith Show. Now, I know some of you just lost me, or I lost you. You realize if my theology is no deeper than Andy Griffith, you'll decide you'll find another church somewhere else. But it hit me. It hit me specifically as I saw one character, a guy named Otis. Otis would come in, oftentimes... He would come into the courthouse and he would walk over to the jail door. He would put himself in, lock himself. You remember that. But you remember everything about Otis had been affected by the alcohol that he had drunk. I mean, his speech, his locomotion, his movements, everything about him had been affected by the alcohol. And then, after seeing that and coming back to this passage, I realized, hey, there's a parallel here. He says, do not be under the influence of alcohol or wine. He says, but be filled or come under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. See, this challenged me. I mean, this is where I realized this is, this is the way to walk wisely. This is the way to redeem our time, is to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, you and I have all of the Holy Spirit that we'll ever have if we're believers. God, when He comes into your life and He comes into mine, He doesn't give you half of the Spirit. Now, this is no shot at my brothers who are in full gospel, but let me just tell you, I don't have a half a gospel. I have the full gospel. I have the full Holy Spirit living in my life. I know that. There's no doubt in my mind. He took up residence and he will not leave me nor forsake me. I know that. But it's not about how much of him you have. It's about how much of you he has. This is a present tense verb. Ongoing. In other words, it's an ongoing feeling. It's not just like it just happened. It's that you constantly submit. This is a passive verb, which means that somebody else does it. You and I can't do it alone. God is the one, through the Holy Spirit working in our lives, filling us. I'm going to tell you that when I walk tomorrow in wisdom, it should reflect, it should reflect that I am under the total influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Just as... The drink, the alcohol controls the drunk. 
So, so should the Holy Spirit control us as believers. Everything, our thoughts, our speech, our actions. He says, be filled. Someone has said rightly, the Holy Spirit is not overworked in our churches. He's overlooked in our churches. We need to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Well, I know I don't do this too often, but I've worked myself into a corner. Second truth here, I got five minutes. If you're going to redeem the time, let me just say this. Walk wisely. Worship holy. When I use that word holy, I mean W-H-O-L-L-Y. Everything you got, worship. He says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He said, Give your time to worship. Again, I don't have a whole lot of time to flesh this out, but let me just say this. Do you know how we fail to give worship a place in our personal lives and even in our corporate life? I'm not trying to beat you up. This is as much for me as anything else. What a privilege it is to be able to worship with you as a family of God. And that shouldn't be just lip service. That should be our heart and life. We find so many other things. Listen. We find so many other things to crowd out our moments of worship. So many other priorities. We find other things to do. We think they're just as good. I'm going to say to you, if you're going to make the most of your time Sunday morning with the family of God, that's a pretty good use of it. It should challenge us. If I'm going to seize this opportunity, think about how many hours we have in a week and we say this is all that we set aside for corporate worship and yet it is so difficult for us to seemingly make it. Redeem the time. Sing to one another. Sing. Augustine spoke about these three different types of singing, the the Psalms, which would obviously be based upon the Old Testament Psalter, the Old Testament Psalms themselves, hymns, which he believed was some type of exaltation of Christ or God. You find some of these throughout the New Testament, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You'll find one there, for example, or perhaps spiritual songs, which he would say would be more of reflective, experiential songs that you would sing out of your heart and life. Now, that was Augustine's categories. Not sure that we ought to draw that big of a distinction. Let me just say to you, you ought to just sing. Worship. Praise. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, Next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. The gift of language combined with the gift of song was given to man that he should proclaim the word of God through music. It's one of the reasons not only did he believe that everybody ought to have a translation in their own language, a translation of the scripture, he also believed they ought to have a hymn book to be able to sing. And of course, Luther went on to say, and I love this, 
The devil, the originator of sorrowful anxieties and restless troubles, flees before the sound of music almost as much as he does before the Word of God. Music is a gift and a grace of God, not an invention of man. Thus, it drives out the devil and makes people cheerful. Then one forgets all wrath and purity and other devices. You want to see somebody get happy sometimes? Sing a little bit. In the church life, hey, you smile more when we sing than you do when I preach, I think. That's another sermon for later. <laughs> Do it with our lips and with our hearts, he says. Listen, verse 20 says, show it. Sing it. Show it. And submit it. Show it. Show it with appreciation. When you're worshiping holy, just show gratitude. Show the gratitude that you have. Listen, today we should be thankful. We should be. Here it says, thank God for all things. We should be thankful. We above all people have been blessed. There should be a gratitude that just flows out of us. When you see me, when I see you, it should be a spirit of gratitude of what God has done and what he has accomplished. Tonight, we're going to give more of a setting even to celebrate that freedom. I hope that you'll come and tomorrow night as well. But we ought to be grateful as a people. And that should... Be demonstrated in our worship. And that we do it all through the name of Jesus Christ. And we submit to one another. In the church's life, I really find no place for pride or self-exaltation. Never. It is in the place of worship and worshiping Him wholly, of singing to Him, of showing Him our gratitude, that all of a sudden, all of that pride can melt and we can submit to one another as we should in our relationships. You and I should be willingly submitting to one another, looking for the cares and the concerns of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that trumping everything else in our lives. We're to redeem the time. God's given you this moment, okay? Just this moment. James will say that life's but a vapor which appears for a little while and then it's gone. Boom. Even if we were to live 90, 100 years to realize how small that is compared to eternity. You and I have been given this moment. We've been given this time, this opportunity to make a difference. I say to you, seize it, redeem it. I say to you, walk wisely. As controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, walk wisely. And worship Him with everything you have. So that everything that you do would bring glory to your God and Father above. That is our true purpose. That should be our aim and delight pleasing him let's pray together father thank you for this day thank you for these moments that we've had to speak about seizing the time giving the time the attention that it needs and god i believe this i believe that every person that hears my breath this morning that hears my voice, 
that every person that's here, that you have a season, an opportunity, even now for them. God, I pray you'd speak to them. I pray that they would not be deceived into just wasting these moments. Lord, that they wouldn't just dismiss these moments. But God, that you would speak to them in such a real and transparent way this morning. That you would challenge them. That you would call them. That they would see that their life can impact eternity itself. God, I pray that you would help us to redeem the time so we're not looking back one day and saying, where did it go? Lord, may we look back one day and say, we know it went toward you, toward our only God. We pray it now. We ask for your favor during this moment of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?